Did you know that your iPhone will tell you how much time a day you have to give to God? There's not an importance of rest in the Christian life. That implies that rest is a category in the Christian life. Rest is the Christian life. People would be like, well, what about battle, Kenan? What about spiritual warfare? Warfare! You know what I mean? Like some back alley bubba. Anyway, back alley bubba. <laughs> Backwoods bubba. But, you know, what about the warfare? You know what You know what this Christian warfare looks like? It looks like rest. The devil can't tempt, or he will tempt, but he's, it's a lot harder to tempt a well, well-rested person. That's yeah. true. It doesn't say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not have the desires of the flesh. It says you will not gratify oh, yeah. the desires of the flesh. Man was not made for the Sabbath. But the Sabbath was made for man. You are now serving the Sabbath rather than letting the Sabbath serve you. In Genesis 1, each day, and it says evening and there was morning, the sixth day. Yeah. The seventh day, that never happened, right? There was never a point where it goes, and there was evening and there was morning, and that was the seventh day. I have this idea that the seventh day was never supposed to end, Mm. and God's rest was, was, just was. You know what I mean? No, it's just good. Welcome back to the Kingdom Vision Podcast. Today we are back with Keenan Clark. What's up, my guys? What's up? It feels good to have you back, brother. It feels good to be it's back. It's been about a Out month. Out of retirement. I know. It's been about a month since we've posted one with you. Yeah. About two since we've recorded one since yeah. we stacked up. So it's good to be back with you, brother. Me and Brain as always. But you have some exciting life developments. Life do developments. You, do you want to divulge? Yeah. So um, if you don't know, about a month ago, so last Wednesday was exactly a month, um, I became a dad. So obviously I was a dad before that. Come on. Can we get some so, some biddies in the chat? <laughs> Hitting the uh, the clapping audio that you want to This deserves in. a like. Hit the like button. Smash Come on. the like button. But yeah, so uh, my wife Beth and I are now parents to it, the best boy in the whole world. His name is August Rhodes Clark. And what a strong name, right? Such a strong name. Excellent. But um, thank you. I appreciate it. It was Beth and I. It was honestly mostly Beth. Um, but yeah, so it's it's just been a wild month, obviously, like figuring out how to be a dad, how to take care of a newborn. I mean, even in just side the last month, the very first time I changed his diaper, I was so timid <laughs> and I was like, honestly nervous. I was thinking like the nurses really ought to be doing this, not me. Yeah. And then now it's like, I'm a pro, right? I'm a pro. So it feels cool. It feels so cool. And it's so surreal. Um, I've never looked at a kid and innately said, that's my son. Like I wondered if that would just come natural or if it would feel weird calling him my son. Mm. But literally I do it without thinking. I mean, it's just like, come here, son. Like he is my son and I feel it. And I was nervous that I wouldn't feel it, but uh, I definitely do. It's the we were best talking about ever. that before on the podcast. Though. Yeah. You're like, is this like gonna, are you going to get that? People talk about this when you have your first son, just something happens to you as a yeah. person. And you're like, is that going to happen to me? Is that not going to happen? So what we were talking about before yeah. Yeah, he was born, that you were talking yeah. about that. So yeah, you have that. I have that. Yeah, he is 100% mine. Yeah. But he looks 100% like my wife, which is a really good thing because my wife uh, is a good looking person. I wasn't. I was going to do like the whole youth pastor deal. My wife's smoking hot. Yeah, you know? like, F- before every sermon, you got to yeah, say no, something like that. I mean, it is true. She is, but I mean, she is a beautiful woman. And so he is a beautiful boy, a beautiful baby, and uh, really pumped about getting to raise him. I'm going to turn him into a fire-breathing man of God. <laughs> um, it's really crazy. There's been lots of even like prophetic words already spoken over yeah. him, um, which, you know, normally I wouldn't push a certain like lane on mm-hmm. my kid. 
But when the Lord's already spoken, like what he's going to do, um, then I feel a little bit better about son. This is like the direction for your life. But I mean, I do say those things to him. He has no idea what I'm saying. I'm telling him you're going to be a preacher to the thousands. I tell him, I tell him, dude. And he just then poops. So (laughs) that's his response for everything. Well, I want to get into the first question I was going to ask you was you, I mean, we were talking a little bit before, but I feel like you as a pastor, but you kind of debunked what I was already saying before we got on air. But as a pastor, I would like to think, and people probably think that you have one of the, there's, there's challenges and blessings to every career. Yeah. Like we say, but your yeah. career, you're stored of people and a stored of the word of God. That's what you do for a living. Yes. So naturally you would think one of the blessings that that would come would be more time with the Lord. Obviously, you can get into why that's not the case or why that may be challenging, but then I want you to go into yeah. the people who aren't pastors and who are actually, because you have a son now, your life is now a blessed chaos, yeah. not not sleeping as much as you really good way to used it. to sleep, right? But not people, you may be experiencing what other people now, you, you can relate more maybe, to, or they may think you can relate more, but yeah. seeking seeking God amidst a chaotic environment or or fast paced circumstances. Yeah. No, I, um, yeah, I, I thought, you know, cause obviously I took a huge break. Um, it's a huge for me, like a whole month. Is that rain? Yeah, no, it's raining right now. It's the anointing. Delight. That's what I was, I was like, when we were praying, I heard the thunder. I was like, like, come, come on. Um, but anyway, you know, I thought, you know, I'm going to be at home a lot with my wife, with my son. Um, that is going to give me tons of time to just pray, seek the Lord, read the word. Um, and that was not the case. Uh, taking care of this little man is a full-time responsibility. And so, you know, before he was born, I had like a, a morning routine, like a morning ritual um, where I would wake up two hours before I have to go into the office and, I, you know, make coffee, seek the Lord, um, read the word, just pray, all that sort of stuff. And then now, like with him, it's just like I, I, I try to get that in when I can. You know, um, and so, yeah, you would think it'd be a little easier, but it's actually not been, it's not been, I've had to be more intentional than ever with my time with the Lord. And I've really had to just remember that God knows what season I'm walking through because it's easy to accidentally begin to slip even into a little bit of condemnation when it's like, man, I was doing so good. Like I was reading my word every day. I mean, I was having these intimate prayer times and now it looks a little different and I'm like, I'm sorry, God, but God's like, I, you remember I sent you into this season. You didn't just like, this wasn't your idea. I blessed you with this kid. Yeah. So I know what season you're walking through. I know how I gave you 24 hours in a day. I know how much time you have to give to the literal reading of the word, the, you know, praying like on your knees before the Lord. Um, but that is why I believe, you know, I've had to lean on what Paul says to like pray without ceasing. Obviously, Paul doesn't expect everybody to quit their jobs and jump in their prayer closet and just spend every waking moment in there. It's an attitude. It's a posture of prayer that in every moment, I'm considering the Lord. I'm leaning into the Lord. I'm, I'm listening for the Lord. Um, and when he speaks, I respond. But if he's not necessarily like dropping these heavy revies, like we've said in the past on my heart, um, then I don't, I don't have to feel any condemnation from that. I was watching a podcast recently, actually. This was so good. It has, it's in a completely different field, but there was a guy who I really enjoy listening to. His music's awesome. He's actually got some secular stuff and some like Christian stuff. Anyway, and he was talking about handling writer's block. Mm. Um, just like what happens when you walk through a season and like, 
you're just not writing bangers, you know, it's like, it's not been. And he said that he actually doesn't believe in writer's block. And I was like, what? Like, how do you not believe in it? You're Mm. just like, never miss. And he was saying that he was like, you're either in a season where you are writing and it's flowing or you're not. And he says, I choose to believe in those moments. I'm in a season of discovery. I'm in a season of discovering something that I don't need to be creating. I need to be discovering. And I've really tried to adopt that. Like for me, I mean, I have to every seven days, every seven days, give the message of my life. It feels like, you know, as a preacher, it gets easy to feel like you're only as good as your last message. And so every seven days, it feels like I have to have this, this new masterpiece, this new like creme de la creme message. I mean, it's the same as a video project for me. It's apples to apples. Yeah. And, you know, the Lord's just really reminded me that like, I didn't create you to just craft good sermons and, and do those things. Like if, if I'm dropping things on your heart, then that's great. But if I'm not, your responsibility is still just to seek me, still just to love me, still just to honor me. And don't feel any condemnation because all of a sudden you're not getting these cool little illustrations and these cool little, you know, scripture nuances that you never saw and maybe no one else has ever seen or you haven't heard anybody else uh, communicate before. Mm. So in those moments, your faith becomes a tool to then believe and walk out what you were, what was revealed to you in the quiet moments. That's why you look at Jesus when he was like, he would revert back to the wilderness. He would often go to the wilderness by himself to pray. It ties exactly what you're saying right now. Yeah. A lot of times we are revealed things and then we walk it out. Mm-hmm. I have a, a crazy video idea that I get. I'm like, dude, I gotta go, I gotta go create that. Has, right. I have to put it out in the world. And I spend, it takes me two weeks to put these things out. Uh-huh. And then I'm like, oh, the temptation then is for a lot of people, creative writers or whatever to then, you know, you get an identity crisis because yes. what am I going to do now? Cause you've put so much, but you gotta, like you said, revert back to your discovery mode, revert yes. back into, and it, into discovering and seeking and having things revealed to you and it's apples to apples i think we're kind of getting into like the super vague and super like it is creative talk but yeah. what i'm saying is that hopefully it's helpful it, it mm-hmm. goes into your walk with the lord too because god will reveal things to you and then you're walking them out in practice and your faith then becomes a tool yeah to walk out the things that you experientially felt like yeah. emotionally and things that god revealed to you in worship when your mo- your worship moment like you were crying in worship yeah and in the next two, three weeks, you aren't having those experiences because yeah. God's telling you to walk out what he showed you three weeks ago yeah. or something. I, I think it's been one of the things that the Lord's reminded me of is that I cannot lead anybody to a place I've never been. And I think that is the the emphasis of the discovery season, right? In seasons where you're being used by God greatly, you're taking people to where you've been. But in seasons where God's like, all right, now is not the time for that. You're charting new paths. You're, you're exploring, you're excavating, and you rarely take a large crowd with you when you go to explore because yeah. you don't know where you're going to go, right? Yeah. And I think the Lord through the last month has been taking me in places where it's like we're, we're discovering new paths. We're discovering new routes. We're discovering new territories. Uh, and the irony of all that is that in the last month, the Lord, inside of the month I didn't preach one sermon, blew my ministry up as far as online I was gonna, I was going to ask about it's that. It's crazy, man. Like, literally, it's blown up. And a lot of people don't. 
I was watching a podcast. I hope the rain's not too loud. It's I think it's gonna be ASMR type feeling. Like you, you, you ever read Dwell, the Bible app, yeah. or Calm, the meditation app, with the rain <laughs> in the background, yeah. with these just these prophetic voices <laughs> over the microphone. Yes, yeah, 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 we're in a storm right now. In. This one's gonna hit different. <laughs> but I guess this will go into a question for you. How do you feel to manage the both sides of it? Like not fixating on the blessing, right? But then you've been like told you're going to receive a blessing yeah. at the same time. Here's the irony of all of this. So really, like, obviously it's the Lord doing this, right? He's just yeah. blessing it. But there was one video I posted that was really the catalyst for a lot of the growth, right? Yeah. Um, and I think it has like 3 million views on Instagram right now. Yeah. I posted it like just a couple weeks ago. Um, but in the video, I'm at a conference. Um, at the time, I think I had 20,000 followers. And oh, so this is way back. Th- this is like, well, it's like back in like July. Um, so that's actually crazy. That's only July. Yeah, 20. July. So um, I'm in New York at this conference and I'm talking about the video is all about me talking about uh, Peter walking on water. And um, I had always thought that it was Peter's or excuse me, that it was Jesus's idea for Peter to walk on the water. But then if you read that story, you find out it was Peter's idea. So in a sense, like it's almost Peter's prayer request to like walk on water and Jesus just granted his prayer request, like said, like, I'll make it happen. And I, the nugget I pulled out of that was like, Peter's eyes were totally on Jesus when he was making the request, but he took his eyes off of Jesus once Jesus granted the request, right? Because then Peter begins to sink because he gets his eyes on the winds and the waves. And, you know, I was just going in on, we got to stay focused, like when God's blessing us, when God's, you know, causing us to grow, when God's causing us to take off, when we're not just praying for the ministry to take off, but it is taking off, we got to keep our eyes on the one who is causing it, right? And the irony of it all is that that's the video that made all this happen. And then the Lord showed me how ironic it is. And the Lord showed me, hey, yes, I'm answering your, the prayer of your heart, the cry of your heart that I would use you to reach the world, but focus on me while I do it. Don't get focused on the analytics. Don't get focused on the numbers. Don't get focused on the growth. Don't get focused on the people who like call you their favorite preacher and are plant. Literally we have people emailing the church, planning their vacations from like Denver and different places around the world to come to San Angelo, to attend our young adult service, to listen to me preach live. They're like planning their vacations around San Angelo. And it's just like, and the Lord's just reminding me, don't get focused on any of that. Yes, that's cool. It's a blessing. It's like flattering, but you got to stay focused on the one who started it all. I don't want to have stayed focused on Jesus when I was asking for a blessing. And then once he blesses me, be like, cool, deuces. I'm now going to like enjoy this for a while. No, God, I always pray this. This is what I pray. God, bless me so much. I can't navigate the blessing without you. I can't handle the blessing without you. I don't want to be blessed to the point where it's like, okay, I can manage this. I want, I want the blessing to send me back to the blesser because I'm like, dang it, God, yeah. like you, you blessed me beyond my pay grade. Like I, I, I'm not good enough for this. I'm not smart enough for this. I'm not old enough for this. I'm not mature enough for yeah. this. I'm not connected enough for this. God bless me beyond my pay grade so that I still have to depend on you to handle and steward the blessing. If that makes sense. Well, I've heard it put this way too that God gives us experiences, gives us blessings, manifests himself to us yeah. to then change us. Yes. And a lot of times we get blessed, we get these experiences and we're not changed. So then we need God to keep showing up. Yeah. But then when he doesn't show up, God, why are you so far? Because the blessing was meant to change you. Yeah. Yeah. It was meant to mature you. It was meant to produce something in you. Yeah. Ultimately, 
back to praise. Yes. But the, the that's the when, for me it's, it comes down to yeah it's something I've been thinking about lately is just um, the fact that everything in our lives are made to make us more like Jesus. Yeah. Right, and that's the only purpose. That's the only point. Um, so I start when you start looking at everything, every person as they're working with God to make me more like Jesus uh-huh. because I'm I'm with Him. You know what I mean? Yeah. And, and it doesn't really make sense, but that's no, that's it really makes how it is. To me. For me, it also comes down to what satisfies. I've always felt like I've had a Solomon perspective of like nothing's. I, I have never done anything in the volumes of kings of Solomon, right? right. I've never claimed that, but I'm saying in terms of like, what was me? Like I've I've had all this stuff, and it just this is like a pitless hole in my heart. Yeah, I've come to the realization that Jesus in His presence and spending time with Him, His Word, just intimacy with Him, which yeah. I have something I'm being I'm seeking out more. I'm even yeah. seeking out Gerard, me and Gerardo are going to start getting together once a week so He can just teach me about just intimacy with the Lord. I'm just craving intimacy because that's. The only thing that can satisfy that it can come down to blessings too. Yeah, is that sometimes you can get in these these micro periods of your life where you f- forget or you get distracted, but ultimately you we can have faith and we can trust that God's going to bring us back because yeah. because when I get in those micro seasons where I'm distracted, I get distracted by the the views and the analytics and stuff. It just doesn't satisfy me, and then I have to go back to the satisfier. Yeah. You know what I'm saying, bro. I can attest to that. I have, you know, obviously a couple weeks ago, it's probably two weeks ago now, I think. Yeah. Um, I had a hundred thousand followers on Instagram and I had a bunch of people reaching out to me. Like yeah. a lot of my friends congratulating me and stuff. And obviously it's a big milestone. Like I was, I celebrated it. It was cool. Um, but I, in that moment, I was so thankful that I did not find my identity in that because yeah. it was hollow. It's For, so hollow. As a, as a foundation, it's hollow to run fruit. Yeah. It's great as like a, look what the Lord has done. Yeah. It's great as a, as something to use as to burn incense before the Lord and say, Lord, here is this. I lay it at the altar. This will burn great here, but it's horrible. And it's as a foundation. And then that moment, bro, I was so thankful. Like, I'm so glad this is not my foundation because it was like, my life didn't change. I have a, I have a 100 K Mm. that doesn't really mean anything. It's not like all of a sudden, like my problems went away. It's not like all of a sudden I like never have another financial deficit, you know? Um, and I'm so thankful that I didn't put my, my faith in that. And then now, you know, like a couple weeks later, I'm at 130,000 and, you know, and verified and, and different things like that, you know, that just like ever, so many things are changing so fast And it's just like, it doesn't, it genuinely, like, honestly, it doesn't mean anything to me. I'm grateful that God has somehow found me, you know, a a vessel he can use to steward something like this. But it, it truly, like, if I, I'm so thankful that God took me through the crucible of having only him, years of having no physical evidence that I was anointed. Nobody would look and be like, oh yeah, Keenan's anointed. Look at all the look at all the views. Look at all the people. Look at all the comments. Oh my gosh, like this is changing people's lives. Look how many people want Keenan at their conference. Like, look at all the speaking invitations Keenan has. There was none of that. But I was still just as anointed. I was still just as called. And I was still just as loved. And I'm thankful that in that season I knew that. 
because now that all this is here, I don't find my identity in it. Dude, I'm like, yo, y'all are just finding out I'm anointed. I've been anointed for years. Like when no one wanted me at their conference, when no one knew my name, I was just as anointed, you know, and um, I'm thankful for those years. I was telling Beth, like, I feel bad for guys who get saved and instantly have a platform. I'm so thankful that like I went for years. I mean, I'm, I'm going on in a few, in a few years, I'll have been walking for G with Jesus for three decades. I'm so thankful that I had, I've had almost three decades and 10 years of preaching under my belt and, and like serving the local church and submitting to not just the Lord, but a literal pastor who can yank my chain and call me out on my crap and pull me aside and tell me I better fix this right now or it's not going to be pretty. I, I mean, I've learned how to take correction and I'm so thankful that all of that has been in place so that now like I, I feel like what God is doing can be sustained by what he's done in me in the past, if that makes sense. It does. I'm a very visual person. So, and forgive me for saying rotten fruit, because I wouldn't say 100K is a rotten fruit. No, no, but, so when, it, but, but you, as a foundation, it's rotten yes, fruit. Yeah, yes, exactly. I'm a very visual person. When I see success in my life, I literally like visualize me keeping it arm's length. Here is the good thing in my life, and it's arm's length from my heart. Come on, that's good. As soon as I coddle it and want to, you know, just, you know, like whatever, snuggle it, snuggle it or love on it or like I want it to give me something or whatever as soon as when it, it, things go wrong in my life. Well, let's think about this. That's a good analogy because it's not very long. You, it's almost, like a, it's almost like your girlfriend. You start cuddling in one moment. That's fine. Nobody's going to be like mad at you for cuddling your success. But we can all, we can all attest it. Cuddling quickly turns into something else. And before you know it, you're being intimate with your success. You're in the back seat with your success. And it's a, uh, it's a, it's a, and that's why you got to keep it at arm's length. Exactly. And before you know it, you're no longer being intimate with the Lord. You're being intimate with your success because you've been cuddling it. You've been pushing the boundaries. That's a pretty good analogy. Dude. It's good. It's like, I, I've never heard it before, Me but it's, it's perfect. It's this perfect. Is, this is an original on the Kingdom Vision podcast. What would you say? So I want to talk about rest. Yeah. And the Christian's life. You are not having, when you have a kid, so many people have children. So like, and I don't have that personal, like, you know, like I, their schedules, especially when kids are newborns, their schedules are crazy, but it's not always yeah. that things become routine again in a, in a few years, but you can go talk about your experience with August or before you had a son, just the importance of rest in the Christian's life. I think it, here's the thing. There's not an importance of rest in the Christian life. That implies that rest is a category in the Christian life. Rest is the Christian life. Yeah. It is. That's good. Because as I've said in a previous podcast, we start at it is finished. Those were Jesus's last words on the cross, but they are the first words we hear when we enter in the kingdom. The good news is that the second you get your ticket to heaven punched, you get told, hey, by the way, it's all finished. <laughs> There's nothing left for you to like do. You don't need to add anything like your successes, your accolades, your followers, your shares, your um, speaking engagements, your dollars. Uh, they don't mean jack crap here, bud. The only thing that is worth of any value here is the shed blood of Jesus on the cross. And the good thing is you're covered in that. So enjoy, enjoy everything the son died to give you. And that is why we are wasting our days, our lives, our relationships, our God-given talents when we try to use it to obtain anything 
rather than trying to flesh out what has already been obtained by Jesus. The only person that obtains anything in the kingdom is Jesus. We just get, you know, it's kind of that whole thing. May the lamb receive his full reward in me. I mean, we, we've talked about that before as well. Like, may the lamb be given his reward. And his reward is relationship with us, using us to initiate relationship with other people. Um, so I think rest is not a component of the Christian life. It is the Christian life. I mean, people would be like, well, what about battle, Kenan? What about spiritual warfare? <laughs> warfare! You know what I mean? Like some back alley bubba. Anyway, back, back alley bubba. <laughs> backwoods bubba. But, you know, what about the warfare? Um, I would say, you know what You know what Christian warfare looks like? It looks like rest. It looks like telling the enemy, I'm not playing your game. I, I, I'm, not, I'm not jumping in that arena. I'm, I'm going to put the king in the ring. I'm tapping out. Yeah. And it really does just looking like resting in the peace, the shalom of God that goes beyond anything you can think or understand or imagine. And it guards your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. I mean, literally, if you were to boil relationship with God and the Christian life down to one word, it is rest. And I was, I just think about the society we live in and just the culture, hustle culture. We just, we have a very fast paced culture. Yeah. You know, John Mark Comer. Yeah. I was watching, I haven't read the book, but I was watching his sermons on the ruthless and elimination of hurry. Just he'll go watch that sermon and go watch his sermons on that. Go read the book because he'll say it way better. But it's just the, when you understand how good of a Sabbath, what, like what Sabbath is intended to do. Like, like sometimes it feels like I got to rest today. Mm -hmm. Like, I gotta. I'm, I'm. I'm commanded to rest, and rest isn't Netflix and and just being on your phone all day, and not doing right. anything. Because oftentimes I've come to the conclusion that the more I'm engaging with Netflix and all this stuff, it actually all I did was waste time, and I don't feel any more rested. Right. It's like you want to be spiritually rested and spiritually filled, which sometimes you know feels like work. Like oh, I gotta get in the Word, but it's the type of deal where as soon as you start getting in the Word and you start spending time with God, and then all of a sudden you just feel replenished right. and things. So there's there's they may be an initial barrier to yeah. naturally hard things or whatever, but in general, when you look at the Sabbath and you commanded to rest, sometimes it feels like oh I don't want to rest, but I have to. But then all of a sudden you're two three weeks down the road and you haven't rested in three weeks and you're burnt out because. Taking in a practical level, yeah. Taking one day off increases your output dramatically, but also the devil can't tempt, or he will tempt, but he's it's a lot harder to tempt a well well rested person. That's yeah. true. It's a that, lot harder to tempt a well. A bar. It is. I mean, naturally, if he yeah. comes after as soon as your mind's weak, what does he do? He gives you those those wicked thoughts. As soon as your body's weak, you know, just all these things yeah. come into play. But yeah, you know, I, I have else? something on that. I Please just go. One of the most important things I found in my life was understanding uh, the way God is, God's understanding of the Sabbath, right? Yeah. Jesus went and healed on the Sabbath, and that was such a good representation of me of what God finds rest in, Mm. in loving us and caring for us and healing us, you know? Yeah. And I think that that's such a... Uh, a powerful representation of what rest can look like. And it's like, I think it's so easy for us uh, in this day and age to misunderstand that, but Jesus thought that was restful to do that. And he says, man 
isn't for the Sabbath, but the Sabbath is for man. Yep. You know, what does that mean? Like, Jesus is saying, this is actually for me today, but this is how I choose my, this is what I choose for today. Yeah. And, and that is rest to me, mm-hmm. you know? So I think that's such a good representation of our own lives, what, what we should treat rest like. That's want, so true. That's I want you to, you, you can talk about it, you can talk about it, I'm launching it out there, but I was reading John and just, it's all over the, the Gospels, but it seems oftentimes that Jesus was intentionally doing things on the Sabbath to disrupt the religiousness yeah. of the Pharisees. Yes. Why do you think that is? And I, I just, I find that very interesting. He, well, it's because Jesus can't stand idolatry. Yeah. And they had turned the Sabbath into an idol. That's why Jesus says the Sabbath was, you know, man was not made for the Sabbath, but the Sabbath was made for man. The, you are now serving the Sabbath rather than letting the Sabbath serve you. That's the whole point of Sabbath is to be served by it, to be replenished, to be pampered even to a degree. Like, And Jesus can't stand idolatry. So that is why he would purposefully disrupt. I mean, Jesus, yes, he comforts those who are disturbed, but Jesus disturbs those who are comfortable. Yeah. And over and over and over in the Gospels, we see him disturbing the comfort of the Pharisees because they had found their comfort in something that was ultimately good at one point, but it had become tainted because they had made it the main thing, right? They had made it their their keen objective, their key objective. And um, that's why Jesus is constantly just like bucking the system um, just to like, yeah, because he can't stand idolatry. The law, the law in and of itself is a good thing. You yeah. see in Psalms, the precepts of His Word and the in the ways of His of His law are are good. Or like mm-hmm. I'm not, I'm just mis I'm paraphrasing it, but the law itself is good. So I see in there a micro little argument that Jesus wasn't by any means undermining the law. Like the, no. like, and, and you can see people making arguments about um, doctrine. You know, doctrine's important, or this is important, or yeah. doctrine's important. But Jesus was trying to illustrate to the Pharisees that the Sabbath is about me. Yeah. I am I am the fulfillment of the Sabbath. And coming to that understanding, it was I think the Sabbath was the most religious aspect of what they had going on in that time. Mm-hmm. And I just find it hard to believe and we still do it to this day. We think we don't, but we do in micro facets. But Jesus healing the withered man's hand and then the Pharisees, what are you doing? It's the Sabbath. Uh-huh. Yet a withered man's hand was healed. Yep. We miss Jesus and focus on a religious aspect of something that's, you know, Sabbath isn't irrelevant, but in the moment they made it irrelevant because their eyes weren't on Jesus. But I just can't get over the fact that Jesus was doing all these miracles on the Sabbath in front of the Pharisees, yet their eyes were so fixated that they were just completely missing all the miraculous things yeah. that he was doing. And I come to, I'm like, there's no way I would do it. Right. But the reality is, is we do, we have a religious spirit. People have a religious spirit to in today's society too. It just doesn't maybe not play out that way. Well, I mean, and we act like, you know, we just boohoo the Pharisees all the time of like, how could they do that? Why would they tell Jesus? They're essentially telling Jesus they're not really mad at what he did. They're mad at when he did it. Right. Yeah. And, but the problem is we ourselves are Pharisees all the time because when we get in a rush, and then all of a sudden you feel that tug of the Holy Spirit to go and pray for that person. You say, not right now, God. I'm in the middle of something. We're now a Pharisee because we're now telling God he, when, when he can and cannot move. Mm. Not right now. 
where I'm not mad that you want me to do that. I'm not mad that you're going to do that. I'm not mad that that's your heart. I just don't like it that you want to do it right now because right now is not when I think it should be done. And yeah, I think sometimes God will ask you to do things at inconvenient times to force you to obey him and not your preference. Because sometimes we'll pray for people, but it's because it lined up with our schedule, you know, and sometimes God will schedule. I mean, just like a moment ago, I had to take a solid 30 minutes outside on a phone call because somebody needed prayer. You know, somebody needed my wife and I to plead the blood of Jesus over them. And, you know, I, yeah, I had this podcast scheduled, but I was like, all right, Lord, if this is what you're doing right now, I know that the boys will understand. I'm going to stand in agreement and plead the blood of Jesus over this family. Yeah. And, um, sometimes I think, you know, God will intentionally do things at a time that's inconvenient, uh, to make sure you're still serving him Yeah. and not your schedule. I had another idea, um, and it's just kind of a one floated out there, but um, so in Genesis, in Genesis one, you can go by each day, and it says on every one of them, and there was evening, and there was morning, the sixth day. Yeah, and the seventh day that never happened, right? There was never a point where it goes, and there was evening, and there was morning, and that was the seventh day, right? And I have this idea that the seventh day was never supposed to end mm. and God's rest was, was Come just on. was, you know what I mean? Um, I don't know. It's just, That's good. it's just something. And then you can kind of see that in, uh, uh, there's, there's verses in, uh, in the new Testament that kind of represent, uh, wording to that. But, um, just understanding that, uh, you know, Jesus said, come to me, all you who are weary and I will give you rest. You uh-huh. know, that, Rest is a relationship with Jesus, and that's all it is, yeah. right? Knowing Jesus, knowing his ways, and then producing his ways. Yeah, I would say this. If following Jesus is wearing you out, you're doing it wrong. Yeah. You like, you're, you're doing it wrong. You're, you're like, there's something off. Jesus says, you know, and it, this is what the message version says in Matthew 11. Um, I want to say it's 38 and 39. He says, are you tired? Are you worn out? Are you burned out on religion? Come to me. Get away with me, and you'll recover your life. I'll show you how to take a real rest. That's the way the message version puts it. Eugene Peterson translated it that way. Jesus is like, you don't know rest until I've sh- – you have to be shown how to take a real rest because we think rest is Netflix, more Instagram, you know, doing just those don't things. don't move our body. Yeah, like just stuff like that. Like it really is just like numbing out all those things. We think that's rest. And Jesus says that, that is not rest. No wonder you're more anxious. You're, you're falling into sin. So many people like they get a moment to rest and that's when they sin. That's why so many people sin at night. It's true. It's because like the time they should be resting – they're not doing things that are actually producing rest. They're, do, they're producing things that are producing open doors for the enemy. And that's why we have to be shown how to take a real rest. And only Jesus, who is the embodiment of the Sabbath. Jesus is our Sabbath. We are now, after the finished work of Jesus on the cross, we are in a perpetual Sabbath. It is a perpetual seventh day. And yeah, we should, like, obviously we still have seven days a week. And many of us have to go to work and stuff like that. So we should have a literal day during the week in which we rest. But on a spiritual plane, we are in a perpetual Sabbath. And only Jesus can show us how to optimize that rest and step into that real rest. And if 
following Jesus is wearing you out, you are doing it wrong. And I think, too, if following Jesus is wearing us out, a lot of times we could be hiding from God in doing religious activities. Yeah. We're doing a lot of religious things, but we're hiding from him. We're not, it comes down to that Sabbath, that rest. We're not setting aside time or, you know, stepping back to go before him because we go from, let's just say, for example, we go from podcasts to editing Uh to social media to, and then we fill our schedule with these things. We go from thing to thing to thing without actually, Uh let me take a breath. Well, and take a, and, and, mm. and step out, but yeah. we're doing good things, and maybe not even social media is good, but maybe yeah. we're, you have a day full of loving on people, discipling. You're pouring out. You're hiding, and we can hide ourselves in the activities, yeah. but it has to come, and everything is produced in and out of rest yeah. and seeking out that rest. I think too, you got to look at uh, your day too to make sure, like, because it, it turns out like most people spend their day. And we kind of do this, the same deal where we work for our time and we have rest for our time and we go to sleep, right? Everyone does it. Yeah. So what I've been trying to do is making sure that however, I've been trying to figure out how many hours can I, do I need to, after how many, so many hours do I need to make sure that I readjust my heart towards God, right? Because I'm always, my heart is always towards God, but there needs to be intentional time however so often and that will keep me engaged on that time whenever I'm doing stuff yeah. too right because as much as we want to when we're doing stuff there's still like there's still that needs to be that place for intentional time and yeah. sometimes it's going to be more spotty than other times yeah. you know sometimes it's going to be harder or whatever um but i think that's something that god's just been doing in my heart was making sure that knowing you know how many hours is good for you right before you readjust and and be specific about you know you mm-hmm. going just to him you know yeah. so i fully agree <clears throat> you know the craziest thing is um did you know that your iphone will tell you how much time a day you have to give to god i didn't realize this there's a setting on there that will tell you literally it shows you it, to the second how much time in the day you have to give to God? You go in the your set, you go to settings, go to general, and then you find that little thing that says screen time. <laughs> That's how much time you have to give to God every single day. True. But you are giving it to Instagram, you're giving it to YouTube, and I understand sometimes for certain people we have to be on our phones. I'm, I'm not acting yeah. like literally every single second on there should have been devoted to God. But so many people say, "I don't have time to give to God." Show me your screen time. Yeah, I guarantee you could have cut half of that. Oh, for sure. I and think other than that portion to the Lord. And practically, I think people are so far deep in it that it's hard to unravel the addictions to Instagram and the what the smallest addictions are so hard to unravel because we're so accustomed to it. Yeah. And the, it's simple to say, you know, we just need to stop getting on social media. But then when it comes time to do it, there is a legit right. pain and a you feel something. Yes. Right. When I. Like I, I've tried to start not getting on my phone like Andrew Huberman two times. Like if I feel like I want to get on my phone, no, twice a morning, you know, or like however I want to deny myself. Yeah. But like coming down to it and picking, like, you know, picking up your cross, following Jesus, denying yourself. Yeah. Personally, you know, over the years you get, sometimes you can forget 
that that is work. It is a challenge. It's it, it, your flesh will may want one thing and your yeah. design in the spirit will be walking that way. It doesn't say walk by the spirit and you will not have the desires of the flesh. It says you will not gratify oh, yeah. the desires of the flesh. Yeah, that's good. We have this idea that everything following Jesus is easy. Yes, it is possible and made it's made possible and effective and done and it's accomplished and done yeah. through walking by the Holy Spirit, but that is not without a worldly and literally fleshly challenge. Like yeah. you feel a combative nature when you're doing something hard and many times for God. Yeah. Um but like you were saying, you come to a point when you begin to do those things and then you're like a like a guitar being tuned. You begin to come you begin to become in tune with walking by the Spirit and walking with God that you don't have, maybe have those challenges yeah. anymore, or you. But if someone is walking in addiction to social media, or addiction to the smallest addictions, or the big addictions, whatever, it takes some unwinding yes. to get back to that position and, and heart posture of peace. You know, yeah, and it, I think it really comes down to like things that, I, like I think we have for real, and I'm, I'm right there with you. I think we have for real embraced that social media is a necessity, like it's truly a necessity. So it's like, okay, well, I have to be on social media. So how do I do that for the Lord? You do not have to be on social media, but for whatever reason, because everyone has, I mean, like you do not have to have a smartphone just because that is the standard doesn't mean that you have to have that. And some people like, honestly, if you're having a problem with pornography, you need to have a dumb phone, go back to having a flip phone and just that you can call the people you need to call. You can text the people you need to text. Um, but we get this idea of like, well, I have to have a smartphone. I have to have a phone. Well, there are other phones like where there is a will, there is a way negatively and positively. So if there's a will to sin, there's a way to sin. But if there's a will to live righteously, there is a way to do it. There is a way to beat this vice. There is a way to get over this addiction. And yes, it does look like prayer and fasting and, you know, confession. But I think sometimes it's the answer is really practical. And it's like, dude, you don't need a smartphone. For a season, you need to have a brick. You know, the thing I see people get stuck with the fastest, and it's especially on reading their Bible, is they're like, man, I just, in their mind, they're thinking, I just, I'm not seeing it change me, Uh, right? And it didn't have enough of an effect on me today, and it's not becoming fast enough for me, right? And part of that's, you know, our social media, the way that we've been you know raised into well especially my age people we've been brought up into social media and yeah. everything's quick and the little bible verse sprinkled there yeah. you know um so but if you go in and you read your bible and you go into it thinking lord i'm reading the bible for you yeah i'm reading the bible for the sake of knowing you and i know you enjoy it not to gain this not to get that not to not to make my life easier i just want to know you Mm -hmm. right and i think that soon you'll start to garner more of an appreciation for jesus and who he is and what he's done and not trying to nibble out the the scriptures that you think are going to impact your life and really what will happen is the more deep you go into trying to find the intricacies of god and who he is your life will be completely changed and and ripped open in in ways you would have never thought it would be. Yeah, and I would say this that like this is going to sound controversial, but Jesus will let you down. 
Sometimes Jesus will intentionally let you down to show you where your priorities are off. Because when you build your expectation of Jesus off your own plan, your own agenda, your own idea, Jesus will intentionally let your idea down so that you can pick up his idea, so that you can pick up his agenda, so that you can pick up his perspective and priority on your life, on your friendships, yeah. on your endeavors, on you, on everything. Um, and so for those of you who are chasing Jesus because you think Jesus is going to give you the American dream and you think Jesus is, if you just get Jesus to rubber stamp your ideas, then all hell has to give way. Jesus will let you down if you are pursuing him for selfish motive, for selfish reason. I mean, we see it over and over. I mean, it, Jesus is talking about the will of the Father. You know, the Bible says this in Romans chapter 12. It says this, that you have to renew your mind, right? So that you can um, attain and ascertain what the will of God is. This way it says, don't be conformed to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind yeah. so that you can know what the will of God is. There's, if there's a will of God, then there, that means there are other wills too. My will's involved, your will's involved, Braden's will's involved, and God will intentionally let your will down so that you can somehow find his will. And the good news is this, is that even at rock, Jesus is still the rock at rock bottom. So even if Jesus lets you hit rock bottom, he turns rock bottom into stepping stones. He is the rock at rock bottom. And sometimes Jesus actually has to, to let you go to that place, let you plummet the depths so sure. that you can find him. This may be a graphic idea, but I was at a, it was a, a market days, right? Where, you know, all those booths and the vendors yeah. and stuff, I'm saying, and they were all there and, and, uh, a guy had a stroke like right in front of me. Oh my God. And, uh, like it was like, I don't, I didn't, I didn't know him, so I don't know if he made it or not, but like he left not responsive. That visual, like. Some people and people have perspectives like if they've witnessed tragic and gra- graphic and gruesome things, yeah, it like sat with you, it weighs on you, right? Yeah, when you think of when you think of like the cross and Jesus, what he was doing when he was tortured and beaten and mocked, yeah, sometimes that can escape you, and how that like that probably like if you were there watching it. Uh-huh. Not on your iPhone, not on your, not on 4K TV, YouTube 21, 21, you know, 60 frames per second, whatever. You were there in person watching like that changes your reality. And I'm not trying to attribute like, you know, uh, you know, deaths and worldly diseases and things, but like that can give us perspective to view the cross and then reflect that back to like, he went through that for me. Yeah. And it's not just idea. Now you can relate practicals to it, you know? Well, the Lord's amening you. Come on I now. I heard that was some thunder. I'm, I'm reminded of something you said um, a couple podcasts ago. And it's the whole like people saying, I, I, I'm doing the best I can to remember what you said. But there it was in go. a sense like people um, people say that they don't feel God. God, I don't feel you. I don't, I don't, I don't feel anything. And then you were like, imagine Jesus on the cross and tell me you don't feel anything now. Imagine him hanging on the cross for you, beaten and bloodied, having carried a two pieces of what a mile up a hill called Golgotha just for you and tell me you don't feel anything. That's the truth. I mean, like seriously, you don't feel anything for the Lord. Imagine him dying for you. And if you don't feel anything at that point, 
you need to go to somebody and get some serious prayer because <laughs> you, you, your heart has become seared towards the things of the Lord and you need to be tenderized once again yeah. um, to the Lord. Well, yeah, and, you look yeah. at what Paul in all the letters, he's really the main theme he keeps saying is remember the gospel, you know, remember, remember Jesus dying for you, you know, and that's just, uh, it can be so easy for that to be um, just bland for us. Yes. Now. Yeah. Here's what I feel. I feel like a good way to end this podcast is just to pray for the, for you to feel the Lord like that again, that, you know, for you, before you witnessed that guy having a stroke, having a stroke was a, a concept. You can think about it. Yeah, that sucks. It's horrible. Wouldn't want that. But then you witness it and it's like, whoa, shakes you to your core. I mean, you're still not over it years later. I, I want to pray for people to have a tenderness towards the reality of Calvary like that, the reality of the cross like that, the reality of God's presence like that, the reality of Jesus' sacrifice like that. And uh, yeah, just to make it real, because I, I think there's so many of us, myself included, we can become so calloused to the things of God. I mean, if you're watching this podcast, you're at least interested, if nothing else, in the Lord and what he has to say, especially if you've made it this deep into this episode, you you want the Lord and it can, over time, you can become numb. And I just really want to pray that the Lord would restore you the joy of your salvation. The Lord would restore the the excitement once again to get in his presence, a desire even to get in his word and his presence like never before, to stir up a hunger for prayer, a call to prayer on the inside of you um, like never before. Is that cool if I pray for that? I would love to. Heck yeah. Father, I thank you for every person listening to this right now. Lord, you know exactly who, you know right now, as I'm saying this, who will be watching this. You already know. And Lord, I thank you that this person right here was on your mind the second I'm saying this. Lord, they didn't make it this far into the episode by accident. And Lord, I speak right now over their heart and I command it to be tender to the things of God once again. I, I command the calluses to be filed off in the spirit right now, off of their heart, off of their mind off of their understanding. Lord, I thank you that the cross, the reality of the cross becomes palpable yet again. It becomes almost tangible yet again. Lord, I thank you that even now, like there would just be a welling up of of real, not, not, not manufactured, but real emotion on the inside of them, thinking about the fact that with every stroke of the hammer driving a nail through your wrist, you were taking it for them. You could have called a legion of angels down to pull you off of that cross. But Lord, you took it for them. You took it for me, God. Lord, make it real. Restore to us the joy of our salvation. Make our hearts tender to you yet again, God. Don't allow the enemy to just make this, oh, well, of course, you're, you're secure. You're going to heaven. This is just your new reality. Get used to it. Lord, I don't want to get used to it. I don't want to get used to it. But we want to be used by you. And Lord, I thank you right now to speak a tenderness over all of us right now to the reality of your call to the reality of your sacrifice and to the reality of your presence here today we thank you for it right now in jesus name amen amen, amen. powerful well praise god thanks for keen for coming on but thank you for having me great way to close it pray this blessed to you we'll see you in the next video peace out